1: Dear heaven, welcome to Mother Folklore at the Irish for Podcast brought to you by the Headstuff Podcast Network, Dark Shea Sanam Today we're going to be talking about family law in Ireland, always a controversial area. But in particular, we'll be comparing how it went in the old Brown law days to how it goes now in the Republic of Ireland in the 21st century. I'm lucky enough to be joined today by Cara Jean McAvoy, doing a PhD with DCU.
0: Hello, thank you very much for having me.
1: Also, being joined with Emer Duffy.
0: Nice to meet you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Great stuff. So, the Gender Recognition Act passed recently with. Relatively little resistance, considering how socially conservative Ireland has been, and one of the reasons for this was that, that there was no obstruction for this in the constitution. If you compare this to in nineteen ninety-five, how the divorce act, divorce referendum, passed by barely a percent, and after a, a very hard-fought campaign, and the only reason for this, even though that there was, look, it's been very much accepted since it's passed, is because there was an obstruction in the constitution. What's particularly interesting about this is that how how that the how even now I suppose a divorce is still very hard to access in Ireland. It takes a very long, it's a very long, expensive process. But some centuries ago, it was not always the case. Emer. we see divorce is slightly different in the old baron law days.
2: I would consider divorce to be quite wildly different. Mm-hmm. Um way back when as opposed to 21st century Ireland. I mean you've got you've got a whole law text, um, the common land of none that solely deals with um marital relations, you know, divorce, there's grounds for divorce. Um you also have there's seven different types of union, um, okay. is what it's referred to in sort of in scholarly terms um, by by academics in the 21st century. It mainly looks at the different types of unions um, that could have been formed between uh, it's always between a man and a woman. Okay. Which is the point I'm going to come to in a moment. But um, you have, let's say, um, a union of a man of a higher status with a woman of a lower status. Um, you have a common contributions. so where man and woman are of the same social status. Um, then you have things like, you know, someone is married and their partner isn't and so on and so forth. And it's recently been looked at um, as being that these unions are only specified in these law texts because they're outlining the protection of any possible children that could, you know, appear (laughs) out of these unions. Um, So when you're looking at these, these marital laws, it's not so much looking at... You know the couple who are married. It's looking at who they are, who they are affecting, or who they are influencing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of like protection of children, basically. Okay. Um, so you'll get a lot of that outlined. But then, as you come to, you know, divorce. I mean, there's many, many reasons why you can get divorce, and women have a lot of power, unexpectedly. So I mean, there seems to be this sort of idea. Now, it is true that it was a very, you know, patriarchal society, mm-hmm. unequal, so on, so forth. But you get a lot more. You know, of a footing for women in this in this legal world when it comes to when it comes to divorce. I mean, my favorite one is that um, a wife could divorce her husband if he gets too fat.
1: Not just too fat. <laughs>
2: well, you know, too fat to um,
1: to consummate the exactly. Marriage.
2: Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's also one where you could get divorced if his breath stank.
1: Yes, indeed, and I think yeah. one of the other grounds for divorce was that you could divorce so. A partner if they composed a satire about you. Performed the
2: satire. <laughs> <laughs> satire is a very, very long and detailed and intricate subject, but mm. um, basically it was well believed in you know the seventh to ninth century that um, you know a satire had sort of a physical implication as well. Um, Oh, obviously, this was a society that was very much intrinsically based on you know your sho- your social standing, um, you know where you were in society. So, um, a satire that was performed against you could bring down your face value, your your worth in society. So, obviously, no one wanted a satire against them, and nobody, especially, wanted a just satire to be performed against them. Um, That's the worst, exactly. Now you can. If you do the reading you see lots of things like, you know, someone performs a satire in someone else and that the person that the satire was performed upon suddenly has some sort of a physical blemish or there's a scar or there's a deformity to it. So it's like it's a very wide topic and it encompasses an awful lot. But yeah, it it does have its influence on divorce law as well.
1: Interesting. So see as you're saying there are seven types of union
2: seven types classified of, yeah seven classified, plus some
1: and just first of all yeah the, the, there was one the one that I found to be most interesting was when he was it was the um, sixth type of union is the Lon Amnes Foxall a rare example of an X in an Irish word and this is when a woman is abducted but she allows herself to be abducted as opposed to you know the worst kind which is great but the the, the the primary course, what we call the chief wife, is called the Cait Winter, which translates, showing literally has. as as your
0: first person or your next of kin, I suppose,
1: which is lovely. I just found out today. We, we've been, I suppose, reading some I guess well, maybe older texts, but recent old Irish scholarship reveals this actually may be a, a gender-neutral term, and might actually refer to sometimes a first husband or a, a first person in a in a, 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 a or in, in a larger family unit.
2: I know as well um, Liam Brahanock, he's a professor in the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies he recently took all of the examples of the, the term Cade winter being used in old Irish texts and he kind of looked at it in terms of you know concubinage and stuff and now I haven't read the article so I can't discuss too much about it I've just kind of mm-hmm. read bits that have been based on it but he seems to have Thrown this whole idea of you know polygyny and concubines and stuff out the window, um, so to speak. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's interesting, and it's and there was also one of the things in Brand Law that there's a sep- there's a difference between separation, marital separation, and actual divorce. And one of the grounds here, I noticed, was that you could be entitled to a separation. There wouldn't be a full divorce where, if a man wanted to take part in a vengeance slaying, a digal. He could literally, basically, just get separation from his wife for the d- duration of this vengeance slaying, But, you know, as you do. I mean, it's um, must be very. I mean, these things can take years.
0: Wild, Saturday nights. That sounds like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as you, but the other one was that the wife of an infertile husband, if she doesn't, if she really likes him and doesn't want to divorce him, she can be granted a separation to meet a a guy who doesn't have those problems and come back pregnant and. And that's basically move along with
3: their yeah, and then move <laughs> yeah. along
1: and then, and then in in these circumstances the the Breha would be able to grant that the child was the fa- was the son or daughter of the actual original husband, so ban law did actually grant a kind of a uh, I suppose the, the, like an equivalent of that's, of that's quite
0: interesting now because even, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but up until quite recently it was that there's an assumption of parentage when you're married to somebody. So uh, mm-hmm. any child born within uh, marriage is assumed to be the product of both of those people. So I wonder is that... You know something that maybe stems from Brehan law, probably not, but it's interesting, interesting
2: coincidence.
1: It is interesting coincidence. Uh, <coughs> it's still also,
2: I'm going to cut through you there for a second, but it still also kind of solidifies that notion that you know, looking at marriage law and divorce law within Brehan law tracks, it's still very much child focused, or for want of a better word, product focused.
0: Yeah, and that's not something that it yeah. was relevant in Irish law until very recently. They yeah, all very much about mummy and daddy as opposed yeah. to kids. so.
1: so that's the thing. Mm. I suppose it was interesting. The Irish word for surrogacy is matri on a diacht. And I remember thinking at the time when the marriage referendum was going through and people were arguing with this, that I guess the Irish word for surrogacy does have Iona in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> a Hard coincidence. <laughs> what were the odds? Yeah, of course they did. But obviously, I mean, things have changed a little bit, but there's obviously family and the role of family was, was a big part of the Bunroch heron. Gara, do you want to tell us more about this?
0: Yeah, um, up until quite recently um, it's pro- there have probably been a few controversial articles uh, particularly in, like I mentioned earlier in relation to kids and the fundamental protection for the family in the constitution is really strong so it's very difficult to take kids out of a a, a family unit where um, they ought to have been taken because of the constitution protection. The, I can't, was it 2013 we had that referendum on children's rights? Um, yes. That was... Uh, where this all changed Um, but yeah we've got some really interesting uh, uh, kind of disparities with language in the constitution um, in the fundamental rights section Um, and I've been seeing it floating around recently probably stemmed from the repeal the 8th movement um, about sexism in the constitution and while I concur that it is a sexist document in some circumstances Mm -hmm. um, there's one particular article that gets my goat and let's hear it (laughs) It's uh, article 41.2 where the state recognises essentially the English text says that the woman's place is in the home and we're going to protect that. And while I have no doubt that in 1937 when it was written that was probably the intent our constitution is a living document which means it progresses over time. It changes as society changes where it can. However, the Irish text of the constitution which is the main text if there's a disparity you go with the Irish text mm-hmm. Um, the actual translation or the actual Irish text means that we protect the Irish woman's right to life within her family. So it could be, it would be interpreted in Irish as, you know, protecting motherhood, pregnancy, and mm. then the right to maternity leave, this kind of thing. So I have an issue with it now because our con- our concept of family has changed so much. Yes. You know, families are not what they were um, even twenty, fifteen, twenty 15, 20 years ago. Um, so it is outdated, but not for the reasons everyone thinks it's outdated. So I think it should should go, but not because it's sexist. So
1: for sure, and I think there are a number of instances in the Bunrock and Heron where the actual Irish version, the English version, where there is slight discrepancies, it's there for clarification rather than by accident. Yeah, and this isn't the case with the amendments.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you saying the amendments. Sorry, see, mm-hmm. the
1: amendments are written bilingually with the same care that the, the source, the original.
0: That's that's true, document. and I believe it was the marriage equality when we were writing it, uh, the uh, legalizing gay marriage. Uh, there was a a concern that the Irish text was going to make...
1: It was going to ban heterosexual marriage. Yeah, straight marriages
0: would be (laughs) illegal under the constitution. (laughs) So they swiftly edited that. But yeah, they're not given the same concern. The the actual effort that went into drafting the Irish constitution was supreme. And it wasn't until... Many people do believe that it's a translation, but it's not. They were co-drafted at the same time, given an awful lot of pressure. So... um, yeah, they uh, they don't seem to do the same amount of uh, worrying as they once did. And that's mm-hmm. relevant in Irish law as well. Very few of them are translated into Irish.
3: The first ever Dublin podcast festival is happening this September 19th to the 30th. Brian Reid from S-Town, My Dad Wrote a Porno, Scroobius, Pips, Distraction Pieces, Criminal, The Memory Palace and Welcome to Night Vale are all coming to town. Joining them are great Irish podcasts like Jarlath Regan's and Irishmen Abroad, the women's podcast Dublin, What's the Story Pod with This Feels Terrible, the All Day Podcast Extravaganza is an all day event including Fair Game, the Sunday Sermon. Stoneface Film Podcasts, Inside Politics, and Potter Rooney, with wonderful Headstuff Podcast Network pods like Personality Bingo, The Alison Spittle Show, Juvenalia, No Encore, Reviewables, and With Relish. That's the 19th to the 30th of September, definitely an event not to be missed. Tickets are available from Ticketmaster and Usual Outlets. More information on Dublin Podcast Festival.ie and Headstuff.org. The Dublin Podcast Festival is brought to you by Headstuff and Aiken Promotions. So, Emir, are there
1: any parts of the old brand system that you think might be usefully and successfully brought back into 21st century law?
2: I mean, you know, I'd, I'd love if I was married and, you know, not that I'd love if I was married, but should the situation arise that I Someday. end up married, <laughs> <laughs> that I find myself in such a situation. um, Oh, man, I would so divorce my husband if his breath stank. <laughs> he'd Absolutely. be gone. Oh, he'd be long gone. Yeah, there's no excuse for it now. I mean, we have
0: toothpaste now. Like in yeah, you know, Breton still, law, maybe not, but nowadays but still, there's no excuse. Yeah, still. divorce that guy. <laughs> yeah,
3: he's got straight <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, I think, I think the Irish Constitution is lacking an awful lot when it comes to the kind of protection of children. When it yes. comes to the notion of a family, um, as opposed to you know, if you're looking back on on Breton law tracks and you're looking at the the con land of known and things, and you're you're seeing that it was seemingly in you know, at the root of it was child-focused. Yes, absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, it was kind of a case of here are all of these unions that we see and that we accept and to some extent appreciate. Like, you know, you can be in a marriage union outside of your social circle. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, there it is. We recognise it. But here we are protecting your children.
1: Yes, that's the big thing, and also that there's so much arrangements for fosterage and things like that, which just were, have not been, yeah. been brought into through the modern modern age. The fact, even that in some of the old, in some of the older Irish, which. I'm, I'm not an expert in Old Irish, I'm barely an expert in Modern Irish, <laughs> but um, they actually, one of the things that some linguists do when they look around the world is they look at those first few sounds that a baby makes, and I'm, just, I'm actually to be watching these sounds at home at the moment, these kind of mum mam ba ba these things actually are present in most languages, and they often represent the earliest relationships a child has, so in language, in in cultures where the entire village is involved in child rearing, you find that there's, there's, there's words of these sounds for various family roles like aunts and, and uncles-in-law. And in Old Irish, there's lots of these sounds for foster parents, even more than regular parents.
2: Um, you also have to look at fosterage as well in, in an earlier setting as kind of politically important as well. Um, like you're looking at, you know, two different families of, of equal political standing, you know, let's say, for example, I'm one of them and Garrodine is another one of them. We would swap children so as to form sort of a, a political allegiance, so to speak. Yes. It's kind of like, oh, well, if you have my child, I can't hate you because like, you have my child. And then, you know, if I have your child, ha, you can't hate me either. So. And this is
1: something that people will be familiar from, from Game of Thrones. It would be yes, because basically, none of you, none of you. Okay, well, hands so, are in the air here. I'm sorry. I, I found the only three people in Dublin who aren't watching Game of Thrones. But yeah, it's one of the things is say in in that that when George R. Martin was doing his research on on medieval societies, that it was not unusual for a family such as the Starks to take in the the son of a defeated family like the Greyjoys in as a way as as an insurance policy to protect them from being attacked. So essentially, a, a hostage. But also, we'll take your word child. for that one. Yeah. Either way, so that's that. So, Gargine, you know, anything else to say about the Irish Bunrocket before we um, wrap up?
0: I do hear a lot of hate with the Constitution, and I would agree with Emer in, in terms of it is outdated. Um, not even outdated, it's just doesn't address the needs of children properly, even with the um, amendment we had, it doesn't address it. But um, I love the Constitution and I'll defend it forever. So, I'm going to fight you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fight another day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That was when Dana was running for president. One of her famous lines was, "She held the Constitution of the I love this document."
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm. One thing, that Dana and I haven't come to. <laughs> both <laughs> love the Constitution.
2: <laughs> mm. You're not talking about your past in the Eurovision, there. Now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's that's all for today. Um, I'm, I think we've learned a lot about family in Ireland, and these debates will rage on. We will be very interested to see how things progress in the future. But for now, I want to thank Gary McAvoy.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Emer Duffy. Thank you again.
1: And you can follow me at the Irish4 on Twitter.
0: Uh, my handle is at Dean. It's the phonetic spelling of my name.
2: And I'm Chuck Work Emer.
1: Great stuff. Thank you very much, and see you next time. again i just want to say thanks very much for listening to today's episode It'd be great if you could subscribe to the podcast and wherever you get your podcasts whether that's itunes stitcher spotify wherever and if you can like and review the episodes as well it's a great way of getting people to actually find the podcast and hear more of it thank you very much to the head stuff podcast network for allowing me to produce it and bring it to you You can find many other brilliant podcasts on the Headstuff website. I recommend, for example, Juvenalia, where people talk about a piece of pop culture that influenced them as a child. Also, I want to thank Kirsten Shield for doing the artwork for the podcast. I want to thank Brian for producing us and putting manners on us all. So, see you next time. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
3: Oh, man. I did so much hoovering, it was amazing. (laughs)